commercial vehicles that get into collisions. What information needs to be collected at the accident scene? Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins & Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins & Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to the Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins and Lacey Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. What can a vehicle collision reconstructionist professional teach us about the amount of information which needs to be collected at the accident scene? Joining Collins and Lacey attorney and chair of our trucking and transportation group, Claude Prevost, is Al Duncan of Warren Forensics. I worked for 23 years as a South Carolina Highway Patrol trooper, where he was a member of the multidisciplinary accident investigation team. He is now an investigator at Warren Forensics in Columbia. Al, thanks for being on the podcast this afternoon. Uh, full disclosure to our listeners, Al works for both plaintiffs and defense firms, and he has worked Uh, with our firm before in the past, and we're happy to have Al here this afternoon. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of experts you are. I have been with Warren Forensics now for about four years as their collision reconstructionist. Um, Prior to that, I was with the South Carolina Highway Patrol. I started out as a regular road trooper in Marlboro County, then to Newberry County, Lawrence County, and back to Greenwood, which is home. Um, Once in Greenwood, I managed to make it to the mate unit um, doing the collision reconstruction for the Highway Patrol from 2008 till 2017 when I retired from the South Carolina Highway Patrol. So collision reconstruction now for, gosh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 years um, with accident investigation prior to that for, gosh, I've got 25, 30 years worth of experience. Now I'm getting old. Well, you don't look old, but that's some real fantastic experience you have. Thank you, sir. Let's talk about what you do to investigate traffic accident or a collision on a roadway, what kind of data are you looking to gather and how do you perform that investigation? Really, um, at the very start of the investigation, I want to obtain as much information as I can possibly get. That, that information will come from, from whoever's hired me as the client, the attorney, the insurance company, if I'm doing some kind of a insurance fraud case or whatever the situation may be there. But I want to get as much information as I can possibly get. Every piece of paperwork that has something about the crash, um, anything that will give me information prior to me walking out the door to actually go look at the vehicles or look at the collision scene. So I can kind of start wrapping my mind around what we're looking at, um, what we're trying to prove, what we're, you know, trying to understand the whole dynamics of what took place in the crash. So uh, the collision report is typically the first thing that I'm going to want to have so we can do a conflict check on it, make sure it's not going to be something that, that doesn't flow with something else I'm currently doing or that I'm already on on the other side. But from there, um, pictures of the vehicle so that I know when I go to try to do an examination of the vehicle kind of what I'm going to need to, to take with me, whether it's a certain kind of wrenches or a uh, you know, certain kind of clothes that I don't want to tear up. When you get to the scene, what kind of information or data or physical evidence you're trying to pick up and locate? And again, it's going to sound generic, so a lot of this I'm going to say anything and everything. Um, I'm going to try to approach the scene as as looking at it as if I were both drivers, if it's a two-car crash, for example, or heck, if it's a six-car crash, I'm going to try six different approaches to try to understand you know, exactly what these people were seeing as they traversed up the roadway toward the point of impact or the area of impact. 
I'm going to try to look for anything that's causing an issue with visibility, whether it's a sign, a tree, um, a post, whatever it may be, the sunshine, anything that might be a problem there. I'm going to look for anything on the roadway that the vehicles have left behind. A lot of the crashes that we work are late night crashes sometimes. So when the officers get done investigating them, they may not ever go back out during daytime. So they may miss marks that were visible in the daytime when I go back out to the crash scene. So I'm looking for skid marks, gouge marks, scratches, paint transfer, um, depending on, you know, if it's a pedestrian crash, I'm going to try to look for as, as grotesque as it is, sometimes tissue transfer or fibers from clothing, anything that will help me align the objects that were involved in the crash so that I can understand how they came in and how they went out and reacted to each other during the crash. Motor vehicles nowadays are becoming more and more sophisticated. They have a lot of onboard data recorders, electronics, and computers. What's the process you do to harvest information from the vehicles involved in an incident? So the, the safety systems on vehicles have become quite complicated. Um, you know, I remember back in the days being a high school kid when I could actually uh, rebuild a car and do stuff on it myself. And nowadays you just about have to have a doctorate to be able to do that um, because there's so much that's being controlled by computers, whether it's the ABS brakes, the airbags. I mean, so much is going on with the computer in that vehicle. So one of the byproducts of that that the auto manufacturers put into it that the federal government mandated back in 2012, it was, it was kind of set into law that, hey, if the vehicle has an event data recorder in it, then we have to have access to that data. But Chevrolet has been doing it for years. I know 94 is some of the earliest vehicles that actually have a recorder in it that when the vehicle experiences a sudden change or a sudden jostle, that'll wake that system up to determine whether it needs to deploy the airbag or lock the safety belt or do nothing at all and just continue going on. That, also, that, that computer decides whether or not it needs to do those things, it starts recording that data. So when it records that data, um, I think now the current standard is five seconds. So you'll get five seconds worth of pre-crash data as well as the information through the actual impulse of the crash itself, the change in velocity, things like that. Now that data is, is hugely important because it will tell us the speed of the vehicle as it comes in um, for most vehicles. And I'll say that generically because as, as time has progressed since these things have been in the vehicles, they've started adding more and more data. Um, speed of the vehicles, if the driver put on the brakes, if the driver was wearing his safety belt, sometimes what gear the vehicle was in, um, how much steering input was put into the vehicle prior to the crash, a lot of information that we can take and use to back that vehicle up from the point of impact and look at how he approached the collision to be able to determine, you know, what kind of fault, if any, that driver had. Aside from the digital data that is now stored in vehicles, which you've just discussed, what are some of the physical characteristics of a vehicle that you look at when you're investigating, for example? taillights or uh, impact profiles, things like that. The um, damage profile of a vehicle tells a lot about how the vehicle came together with another one. So you're going to look at things like that so you can determine what kind of approach angle they had to, to one another and what kind of departure angle they had when they separated from each other. Those things are hugely important in calculating speed um, from a momentum standpoint or um, really looking at the crash altogether is how the vehicles came together. The headlights, taillights, you can do a lot of um, 
analysis of those things to determine if the headlight was on, if the brake light was on, if the taillights were on. A lamp exam will, will let you know should that vehicle have been visible, especially in motorcycle cases. It's something that's, that's referred to a lot because motorcycles being required to have their headlight on and the potential for them to be lowly visible and even in daylight conditions. So that's one of the first things we look at. Um, just the other day I did a lamp exam because a, a young lady was putting on brakes to determine if her taillights did light up because the event data recorder shows that the brakes were applied now to make sure the person that was seeing it and approaching it should have been able to recognize it and notice. So that is something we, we look at as well um, to make sure that everything is falling into place to see again what, what caused the accident to happen. Um, Seatbelt data that or evidence that you see is important. Um, the the webbing on the seatbelt will sometimes get a, a burnt look or a, a stiff um, nature where the, the fibers in the nylon actually burn and get hot as the seatbelt retracts up to control the driver as they approach um, in the impact going toward the steering wheel. So that kind of evidence helps you, again, prove that the seatbelt was on and show some of the, the elements of the crash. Can the tires on a vehicle help tell the story? Absolutely. A lot of times they will. You'll see damage to tires. I've got a case now where I need to go look at a tire to determine if it blew prior to impact, at impact, or post-impact um, because it is being blamed for the crash. So we need to look at the tire itself, but also look at the other tires to make sure that they've been maintained and that they've been uh, you know, kept in the proper condition for what the vehicle is that's going to be using that tire. Is it the right tire for the vehicle is another thing to consider. Um, the tire being the wrong size where, where people are lifting up trucks or lowering down cars, sometimes that will affect the EDR data that you're getting. So the speedometer is not going to be reading the proper speed. Therefore, the EDR is not going to be recording the proper speed. And you need to make those adjustments based on the tire size if they're different. We've talked about components of the vehicles, electronic and physical. What about the characteristics of a roadway? For example, sometimes it's alleged that there's something wrong with the roadway that caused or contributed to an accident. And again, that's one of the things that you like to know about before you go to the collision scene because you want to make sure you're paying special attention to those things. Water puddling on a roadway is a huge problem that people run into on a regular basis. You add that with some poorly kept tires and you're going to end up with a crash. So it may not necessarily require the poor tire. It may just be that there's so much water on the roadway, hydroplaning occurs, loss of control, and a crash takes place. So you want to be mindful when you go to the scene to look for low spots in the roadway to try to identify those things, to identify the, the tree branches covering up the stop sign, for example, or where someone's hanging balloons or, or whatever on a utility pole for a party and that's obstructed the view for somebody who's trying to enter a roadway from a side road. So those kind of things you're looking for um, and, and keeping, up, keeping up with the uh, manual on uniform traffic control devices to know where the sign should be placed. Um, to the AASHTO book so you know how the roadway should be designed, what kind of slope it should have, what kind of cross slope it should have, um, what kind of edge the roadway can have in case someone does run off of the roadway, how wide the shoulder should be. There's just a whole whole plethora of things that can come up from a, a roadway condition that needs to be looked at if you have an accident that is being a, allegations of roadway uh, issues. Unfortunately, most of us have driven past an accident scene and seen the number of first responders, and law enforcement that respond to an accident. And there's a lot of data that is recorded with the first responders and law enforcement. Could you tell us what kind of data is actually gathered and how you go about gathering it and analyzing it? So typically you have 
what everybody first thinks of is the investigating officer, the guy that's there that's going to write the report and do the, the whole investigation from a law enforcement standpoint. Um, when he gets on scene, typically most of the policies, I guess is the best way to put that, have that the officer should have his video camera rolling, possibly a body cam going at the time. So the thing I want to do is, is to do a freedom of information request to ask for anything and everything that's generated by that investigating officer. I want to get his pictures if he took any pictures. I want to get his notes if he took any notes. I want to get the video cam footage from the dash cam if he did any audio recordings in the hospital. I want anything and everything that he's generated. And I typically try to ask for each thing specifically because if you don't ask for it, they typically don't volunteer it either. So you want to make sure you ask for everything and, and list as much as you can possibly come up with. Sometimes they get the forethought to go and, and ask the local gas station right at the corner if they captured it on video, and they'll have that video footage, which will eliminate you having to go get it. But still the same, you, you make sure you ask for anything that they got evidence-wise. But not just from the investigating officer, you also want to look at it from anybody that was a secondary officer assisting him with traffic, anybody that may have been... Uh, for example, Highway Patrol is the investigating officer. Sheriff's Department may have been there helping him direct traffic or may have been first on the scene, and they may have spoken to people. While they're doing that, they'll have their video cameras on. They'll have their body cams on. They'll take their notes for their CAD report. So you, you'll miss that information if you don't look into it and try to find out, okay, Highway Patrol is going to be there, but 911 goes through your local county. So there's no need to really go with the highway patrol for the phone calls that came in on it specifically or solely, but to also ask for 911 calls and see who called 911 to get the accident uh, reported. Because once you get the 911 calls, now you have witnesses that may or may not have been put on the collision reports. You have someone else you can talk to that, though they might not have seen nothing but the aftermath, can put vehicles into place. Or they may have seen the whole crash and um, the investigating trooper just wasn't aware that there was a witness out there because it was never conveyed to him somewhere else. So you get that kind of information that helps you fill in some gaps that you may or may not have uh, known were there until you got all of it together. Have you been able to piece together accidents by obtaining surveillance video from a local store or a traffic camera video? You know, anymore it seems like everywhere you go, somebody is watching you. They may not be intentionally watching you, you may just be a byproduct of that, but there's cameras set up in, in a number of places. Um, several cases I've had recently, or, or since I've been with Warren, but even with the Highway Patrol, um, we would get the video camera footage from a convenience store or from someone's uh, um, private residence. I have one in specific that comes to mind that's quite comical. We had to go to a motorcycle club, one of the outlaw gangs, to get a copy of their video footage when I was still with the Highway Patrol. So it was kind of odd to go up to a place like that and ask them to help you figure out what took place in a crash. But these things capture, even from afar, if you can get bits and pieces, then going back out and looking at the collision scene to determine two fixed objects can help you calculate a speed based on the time of the video. Um, sometimes the video will help you show what color the traffic light was at the time. So that can remove the argument of, you know, both people saying that they had the green light. Um, little bits and details that you can pick up from the videos will help you fill in, again, the gaps that you don't really know um, because you're, you know, sometimes you don't even have a witness at all. That video captures the whole crash and gives you a, its own witness. Can you give us an instance, Al, from a, maybe a recent investigation without using any details that, you had an aha moment or the Perry Mason moment when you found a piece of information that really put together a 
how an incident happened for you. You're sitting there thinking about it and you're wondering how in the world am I going to figure out what took place or what happened because the, the cars, especially in interstate crashes, um, end up in such a, a mess that you, you know, you're trying to figure out, all right, where's the front of the car sometimes and where's the back of the car? They're just really destroyed. But as you start putting these pieces together, um, one recently, the, the tire track pattern where the cars came together and, and fully engaged, it crushed the cars so that the right front tire, if I'm thinking about this correctly sitting here, the right front tire of one car pressed up against the side of the other vehicle and actually left a perfect imprint of the, uh, or a perfect transfer of the tire tread pattern on that vehicle. So I was able to put the, the damage profiles together based on that because after impact, the vehicle broke away and went and rolled over several times and had some massive damage to it. Um, other details are EDR data. Again, that it has braking, it has acceleration, it has you know your speed that you're traveling at. So to be able to take those vehicles and back them up, um, stop sign case that I had the young lady said she stopped at the stop sign, but when you look at the data, you can tell that she was probably two, three cars back based on her acceleration, and she's just going to go ahead and proceed through the, the stop sign without stopping completely and clearing it. And in doing so, the, the data shows that she did not stop at the stop sign. Didn't make my client happy because, you know, that, that didn't help him find the truth that he wanted, but that was the actual truth, and we had to hang our hat on that. Al, thanks for your time this afternoon. If, if folks want to get a hold of you to talk to you about accident reconstruction and investigation, what's the best way to do so? Certainly. The, the best number to reach us at is to call the Warren office directly. It's 803-732-6600. If they want to reach me directly, they can call me at 864-993-2519. You can send me an email at aduncan, D-U-N-C-A-N, at warrenforensics.com. Or they can reach us on the web at www.warrenforensics.com. Al, thanks for your time. Stay safe out there. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. And for more legal information of interest to South Carolina businesses, stay right here for our next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.